Welcome to the Firearms Trainers Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. We bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Before we get into today's topic, a quick mention to today's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearm Trainers Association. Head on over to their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer in pricing. Use the code FTP10 for 10% off for switching your insurance over to them. I use their insurance and think you will too after you check them out. This episode is also brought to you by the ConcealedCarry.com business directory. Did you know you can get a free listing for your instruction business on ConcealedCarry.com? Visit biz.concealedcarry.com and add your business for free. It will be searchable online and to potential students who use the concealedcarry.com mobile app. Claim your listing today. Today, we'll be discussing demonstrating and failing in front of your students with Scott Reddy. Scott has over 29 years of law enforcement experience, including 17 years as a member of SWAT and served in the United States Marine Corps as intelligence analyst. Scott has taught internationally for elite military units and domestically for federal, state, and local agencies. He was a lead instructor for the New Hampshire Tactical Officer SWAT School and is a certified instructor for law enforcement, firearm, and tactical training at the Six Hour Academy in Epping, New Hampshire. He is an active member of several professional organizations dedicated to ensuring professional firearms training, including the National Tactical Officers Association and the National Rifle Association. Welcome, Scott. How are things going for you today? Hey, uh, great, and uh, thanks for inviting me on the show. I appreciate it. We always love to hear uh, advice from those that are in the field, especially with somebody with as much experience as you have. Uh, I think you got a lot that we can share with our instructors today when we talk about failing in front of uh, our students, which uh, I know from my personal uh, experience is very embarrassing, but um, let's talk about that a little bit. What, what are your thoughts about demonstrating uh, the need for demonstration in front of our students? So one of the big things that we preach here at Six Hour is that uh, the instructors will demonstrate every drill that they do. And the reason we do that, part of adult learning theory, is the students pick up so much more information by having the instructor demonstrate the drill. And we'll demonstrate it at 50% speed. Uh, and, and do we uh, uh, screw up the drills? Sure we do. And then we can explain to the students why we did and break that down from there. And it's critical. Yeah, those are really good points. You know, when you, we've talked about adult learning on several podcasts previously with other of our guests is understanding how people learn. They learn not only by hearing it one time, but seeing somebody doing it and then allowing them to actually do it. And your comment about doing it at 50% speed, I think is extremely important too, because how many of us can go along, whip, whip out a drill, draw from holster and put a shot on target in less than two seconds? Probably most of us. But how many times does that new student understand all the complexities about drawing, getting that good grip on the holster, on the gun, pulling it you know, vertically out of the holster, and then mirroring the hands up and, and putting the sights on target all in one smooth motion? Do you do 50% the whole time, or do you uh, slowly speed things up when you're demonstrating to the students, Scott? Yeah, so we use an acronym called EDIP, Explain, Demonstrate, Imitate, and Practice. So we explain the technique. We'll give the students the, the who's and why's behind the drill, why we're teaching it this way. Uh, we'll demonstrate the, the drill, and we'll demonstrate that at 50% speed. Another key factor in that is we'll demonstrate from 
both the left and right side. And that's critical, especially when we're dealing with rifles, uh, so the students can see exactly what we're doing from both sides. And at 50% speed, we, uh, we break it down the beginning, the middle, and the end of the technique. And that's, and that's critical. And then we'll have the students go off, and they'll imitate what the instructors did. And again, that's at 50% speed. And then we'll have them practice it. And they, as they get more comfortable, they can now pick up the speed at which they do the technique. Mm -hmm. So we start out with those training wheels on to where everybody's trying to make sure they get the motions, the mechanics down properly. And, and before we actually ask them to do it full speed, which is good safety. And also it's a good for the adult learning theory. Well, the, the other thing that we see is if the instructors come out and burn it down at a hundred percent, that's what the students try to imitate and they end up uh, you know, losing the technique and then they get frustrated. So by starting them out at 50%, it builds that confidence early on. What are your thoughts on failing in front of our students? You're just, you mentioned before that sometimes you mess up on those uh, drills. Does that, in your opinion, still any bad behaviors in our students? No, it lets the, the students know that you're human uh, first. And, uh, you know, as part of our master pistol course, we have a, a section of drills called performance-based drills. And if you have misses, you get no time. Uh, but we'll demonstrate each one of those drills. And are there times that we don't make it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but it's critical that the students see. And more importantly is we own it. You know, if we have rounds outside the hit zone or we didn't make the time, we'll tell the students exactly why we didn't. Maybe I bobbled with the holster. Maybe my reload uh, wasn't as smooth as it should be. Or I didn't see my sights the way that I should. So we'll explain that to the students. And then now they can relate to, oh, I'm not making the time because I bobbled my, uh, you know, the draw from the holster as well. It's critical. Yeah. And I think uh, one thing you demonstrate there is it's critical that students understand how to self-diagnose because they're in class with you for a day or two, and then they're back to, to their own ranges. Well, and the other thing too is uh, a big thing in, and folks that we hire here at the SIG Academy, uh, we call it the quiet professionals. Uh, so if you're not able to come out and demonstrate and fail in front of the student, you know, there's something wrong there. And, you know, some of these instructors really, you know, have big egos and, and can't set that aside. You know, it's okay. You know, you make a mistake, tell the students why you made the mistake. Mm -hmm. Because more likely that student's going to go back and at some point they're going to make them make a mistake. And if they yes. can go along and say, Hey, I bobbled my grip on getting it out of the holster, or I didn't see my sights properly, or I jerked the trigger. That's part of the part of the learning too, of them not doing that next time. So th those are really, really great suggestions. The other key thing that we drive home with the students too is objective based. You know, we make sure that all the techniques that we teach to the students are objective-based. And we have a couple of criteria for that. One is uh, age. Uh, so a technique that works for me might not work for an older student uh, because of eyes. You know, we say at 35 years old, the vision starts to go. Uh, and, you know, your arms aren't long enough to see that front sight anymore. Uh, so that's one of the first things. Fitness level is another thing. Uh, fitness level for students. You know, at 19 years old, getting into a brace kneeling position is great. But now as uh, arthritis and back and knee injuries set in, you can't do that. Uh, and then we talk about uh, experience. You know, technique works great for me. I'm an experienced instructor. I've been to a lot of schools. But for a novice shooter, they may not pick it up. Uh, and then the last one is going to be equipment. Uh, what works for an instructor that's got a, uh, a slick duty rig on 
uh, may not work for a student that, that doesn't have the same equipment. And it, that's critical. So we'll show the students multiple ways to accomplish a task. And then they decide depending on age, fitness level, experience, and equipment. Mm-hmm. And that's a component to it. Yeah, that, that's really good because I think from an instructor standpoint, it would be great if we were teaching all 20-year-olds that had you know great flexibility, that had great um, athleticism to them. But in reality, I've had students in their 80s, and bulk of uh, the students that I see are actually, I'd say, between 40s to 60s that are you know realizing, hey, I want to learn more about firearms. And that's where you run into a lot of uh, uh, limitations. Uh, with yeah, you, them. you certainly do. Uh, the demographic we see at the academy, uh, you know, is uh, eight, 25 to 65 years old. Uh, the folks in that middle group, 35 to 55, that's the, the biggest part of our demographic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these are folks now with disposable incomes and can come out and, and pay for multiple classes at the academy. Mm-hmm. And and like you said, you've got to be able you got to be able to demonstrate it, but you also have to understand what you're trying to get at in the drill because if somebody has if somebody's 45 years old, which doesn't seem to be old by the, uh, to me right now, no. <laughs> but they've got arthritis because of something going on, or they've got, you know, a, a back problem, different things like that. You've got to understand what the goals of the drill are so you can adapt that appropriately and not either put them into a dangerous situation or, you know, have a dangerous situation on the range when they're trying to do things. Well, and that's a key component for instructors is to recognize that, you know, great, they can't do the technique the way I explained it, but how can we modify it to make them successful? And that's the biggest part, have them be successful at the end of the training. Let me ask you this, uh, Scott, because I'm really, really curious. It seems like you've got a good swath of people that come through there. Do you ever have people come to your classes that are in wheelchair or in crutches, something, you know, that has um, limitation, a severe limitation on their movement? Yeah, uh, we're heavily involved with HAVA and uh, also a lot of disabled veterans. Uh, We'll do uh, classes specifically set up for them, uh, and we will modify the drills. Uh, Rick Cicero from HAVA, uh, he's a a double amputee. He's actually come up with a magazine pouch uh, that can go onto a wheelchair, and so we'll modify the drills to accommodate these these, uh, veterans. You know what, Scott? I think I got a new idea for another uh, podcast because uh, that sounds really, really fascinating to get into more ideas on how to how to deal with uh, people with uh, physical limitations. And uh, I'm writing that down right now because uh, I'm fascinated with what you've got to got to hear about. I want I want to talk more about the uh, demonstrating failing in front of our students and not dive off into the weeds about uh, wheelchairs and and you know, wounded warriors and things like that. Right. So that's uh, yeah, good, good idea there. So other ideas on how instructors can deal with or demonstrate and get through to their students, uh, both successfully uh, and also learning from their failings. Other ideas you have, Scott? Yeah. So what we do is uh, we, we'll chunk information. So uh, going back to that adult learning theory, uh, students can uh, take in, especially men, one to two bits of information at a time. So we'll give them one to two bits and then let them go out and we'll call it discovery, learn it. Uh, and again, small, small pieces of information, let them work on it. We'll make um, minor corrections, no more than one correction. Uh, each time the student goes out, bring them back in and then help modify those techniques. And that's a, a key component. One, one to two corrections or one, one to two things and one correction at a time. Yeah, I've been, uh, I speak to, to new instructors quite a bit about that because 
being under that stress of being on the firing line and needing to demonstrate something, you, if you unload on them and give them 12 things to do, they'll probably do nothing properly. If you go along, tell them just a couple things to do and then give them one piece of advice to correct it. Uh, I think they'll, I see a lot more improvement coming from my students with that kind of approach to advice, correction, and direction on how to uh, conduct a, a drill. Plus, we've got new students now, the uh, millennial generation, and they're used to taking information in small doses, small bits. So if I overload them, uh, then then they retain uh, just a, a small amount of that information. So in, in your in your situation, when you've got people come from 25 to 65, you've really got to get into their heads and figure out what what makes them tick and how you can best connect with them on teaching these new skills, huh? So uh, we say that the instructors are like horse whisperers. You know, they, they have to uh, speak to each student and then find out why they're there. Uh, and we do a, a needs analysis find out why they're there, and then how can we best deal with them? You know, if we have young athletes that come through, those guys are champs. And just like being with a coach, we can give them two or three bits of information, and they do exactly what they're told. Uh, women, for instance, learn differently than men do. So we have to be more descriptive with female students versus uh, male students. And the analogy we use for females uh, doesn't correspond with the male students. So we have to be uh, cautious with that as well. And I would... Uh Probably, I think it'd probably be safe to say that if you're dealing with civilians, it's different than if you're dealing with law enforcement. And it's probably completely different than if you're dealing with the uh, military also, just because of their, um, you know, how they operate and the, the mindset that those uh, different demographics are in. Well, we talk about that all the time. We have mixed classes where we'll have all those demographics and uh, rules of engagement are completely different for civilians and military and law enforcement. So we have to teach the class and the techniques that will accommodate that. Mm-hmm. Really understand what the goals of the, uh, if the goals of the class are to, you know, sh- marksmanship and improve your marksmanship, then obviously, um, you know, the military with suppressive fire or law enforcement with, um, breaking down doors, it doesn't matter because you're still working on that marksmanship side of things, uh, no matter what the group is. And if you're doing with specific things in those groups then you make sure people understand the appropriate times for them. Uh, here's a big thing I see. I've got uh, 13 full-time instructors, uh, a lot of them with uh, deep military backgrounds. And when they first come over to SIG, I beat the military out of them. And what I mean by that is we'll assign them to civilian-based courses, uh, and they quickly find out that they have to become more descriptive and, and give a better explanation of the drills with the civilian side than they do with the military or police. So it makes them um, much better instructors. And then when they go back to their military or police units, uh, they're much more descriptive. Yeah, that's uh, uh, very very interesting of how you you do that. But I guess if you're coming from the military, you've got a certain boot camp kind of mentality of you yeah. just do it this way. And uh, I know that doesn't work in my classes when it comes to you know dealing mainly with uh, civilians. It's funny. Uh, last month we were down at the Marine Corps at the Weapons Training Battalion. Uh, so the philosophy that we teach at SIG, it was very interesting going down there. So these young Marines are used to, uh, you know, snapping to attention and doing exactly what the instructor says, not questioning uh, the technique at all. So when we go down there and give them the whys behind the technique, slow down the drills, uh, it was very unique to see how they grasp the information. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, that's, that's 
sounds like you get to do a whole lot of fun training between the different groups that you're doing, the different, um, you know, firearm platforms that you're using as well as different places you're going. Oh, it's, uh, it's amazing. You know, uh, when I retired from police work, I said, Hey, I've hit the pinnacle of my professional career. Uh, but then coming over to SIG, uh, you know, we get to work with foreign military units, uh, you know, some of the big uh, police units here in the country and then civilian students. It's, it's a whole lot of fun. That, that is uh, really, really neat. I didn't realize that the uh, SIG Academy had, uh, had a, as many instructors and how wide uh, spread training they're, they're doing. So you're educating me today on that, uh, Scott. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I started working at, uh, at SIG in 2010. We had three full-time instructors. Uh, now I've got 13 full-time instructors and 65 part-time instructors. And we have guys going all over the world teaching. It's, uh, it's really expanded in that, you know, in that nine year time frame. Let me ask you a quick question. Uh, when you're coming, when you come to the SIG Academy, are you, uh, required to use uh, SIG firearms or do you deal with the Glocks and MMPs and Springfields? Yeah, we get that question all the time. I mean, we have a, a huge armory with uh, 750 weapons in it. So you can come to the Academy, you can try any of our uh, guns, uh, but we don't care what you bring. The gun that you bring is the best gun. That's how we uh, view that. And we'll teach uh, military contracts. And if they're shooting Beretta 92s, my instructors will shoot Berettas. If they're shooting Glocks, we'll shoot Glocks. We'll mimic whatever the students are using. I'm just blown away, Scott. That That is uh, really cool. I've had a lot of people have saying, okay, we'll teach you what you have. But very seldom the, the gun that I'm running is going to be the gun that the instructor says, hold on a minute. Let me go swap out my, uh, 1911 for a Glock. So I've got the same platform as you have. So that, that is really, really cool to hear that you guys do that. Well, and the big thing too, is, uh, the instructors won't run uh, tricked out pistols or rifles. They'll run stock guns. And the reason we do that, especially when we do the police and military classes, uh, you know, the, the, the students can't say, well, you can shoot the drill because you've got a fancy trigger. We don't, uh, so, you know, we'll shoot exactly what the students are shooting. We'll wear body armor, uh, again, to show them you can be successful using this technique. Uh, and we use the same gear that they do. Mm-hmm. And again, it comes back to that adult learning to make sure that, you know, you're demonstrating, you're, you're showing them that you can be successful and then also being able to analyze their, the failings when something doesn't happen. And then you can go back and say, Hey, look at this. You know, I got hung up on my body armor. So before you, you know, go and do a, do something, you got to make sure your body armor is properly tucked in and your, your holster is in the proper position, all those types of things. So that's, uh, those are really important things to make sure our students uh, get out of us, uh, from an instructor standpoint. Uh, going back to the Marine Corps, when we were down there last month, uh, the Colonel from the weapons training battalion, he was adamant. He goes, Scott, I want you and your instructors to run the same equipment that my Marines are. So there's no doubt about uh, why they, or how they can do the techniques. And that we were decked out in all kinds of Marine Corps gear uh, when we were down there uh, and showing the students that they can do the same things that we can. That, that is uh, really neat. I can honestly say I've uh, been invited a few places to train, but they've never uh, decked me out in their gear. Um, I'm all for that if somebody's out there is willing to host me to come and uh, deck me out, but I've never had that experience. So that's, uh, that's good to hear the Marine Corps did that. Yeah, um, and so they, they're getting ready to uh, transition to a couple of new uh, weapons platforms, and they're looking to adopt the SIG philosophy for uh, weapons training, which is pretty neat. Uh, that is uh, pretty neat, and to have the endorsement of the Marine Corps on what you're doing, I think that's uh, that's a heck of a 
good stamp to have. Well, Scott, I know we've touched a little bit on SIG and uh, such. If people are interested in finding more out about you and the training that you do, um, where can they find more information out or where can they find it at? They can go to SIGSourAcademy.com. Uh, we've got a full uh, website with the classes that are listed there, course prices, and all the instructor bios. Uh, again, we have a diverse background. We have folks from uh, civilian, police, competitive, military backgrounds. Uh, and really, we have 110 classes. So students can find just about everything that they need uh, for their shooting needs. You do all 110 classes up there in Epping? Yeah, so uh, it's pretty neat. Uh, we're about an hour north of Boston. We're in the live free or die state of New Hampshire. Uh, we've got a 140-acre facility, 26 live fire ranges, uh, two live fire shoot houses, a thousand yard range, 300 yard range, and two indoor uh, rifle and pistol ranges. I got to make some time to come up there. Scott, that's all I can say. That sounds like a fantastic facility to come up and see if, and uh, it'd be even more fun to train at doing something like that. You got to come up in September and October and the leaves change. It's absolutely beautiful up here. I will see, see if I can make that happen on the calendar. Absolutely. Wayne, we'd love to have you. Well, everybody, that's about wraps things up for today. If you enjoyed today's show, we have a few very important requests to make. First, visit our sponsor, Firearm Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out the instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage. Remember to use code FTP10 to get 10% off. Also, I want to ask everybody, tell their instructors about our podcast. Um, we're a new podcast. We want to grow, and the best way that can make an impact to the industry is to go along and have people talking about it and recommend others to listen to our podcast. We also want to ask you to subscribe to iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you uh, listen to podcasts at. That will help us uh, be able to go along and see how many people are subscribing to it. We'll also ask you to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, send us messages or comment on the different podcasts so we know what you think. And if you're into iTunes and Google Play, uh, leave us a review on there and tell us what you think. If you have any input or you have questions on the episodes, feel free to email us at ftp at concealedcarry.com. And I promise you that if you send an email in, I will see it and I will respond back with the best information that I have available or at least. Uh, uh, a thank you if it's a compliment for how well the uh, broadcast has been going. Remember, we bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every fire instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Remember, educate your students and stay safe.